Ready, uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. survive. Leave us alone. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father? You still want Kenobi. He's gone. Maybe you've been looking in the wrong places. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter to squeeze him. You can't win all we want! You can't escape him! my fellow galactic travelers and welcome back to planet eight this is your mission commander larry speaking to you from our hidden base chief engineer bob is here by my side as always in the command center and circling planet eight in our orbital spy satellite is reconnaissance officer karen and on this episode of planet eight your intrepid crew has been very, very involved in studying and watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series over on Disney+. Plus. And so we're going to talk about our impressions of the show, uh, things we liked, things we didn't like, what worked, what didn't work. And uh, straight away, we'll kick it up to the satellite. Karen, take it away. All right. Thank you, Larry. Well... <laughs> And may the uh, force be with you. And, may, and also with you. Um, Thank you. You know, this is one of those shows where it's like when I first heard about it, it was sort of like, well, I don't know. Do we? Do I want to see an Obi-Wan Kenobi show? Do we need an Obi-Wan Kenobi show? I mean, the truth be told, I don't know that we've actually needed any more Star Wars since the original Star Wars. It told a complete story and... You know, it's not an it's not a matter of need. It's just a matter of you know, hey, here's some more entertaining stuff, right? Now, Karen, may I ask you, when you say Star Wars, do you mean the Star Wars movie or the the first trilogy? I'm talking when I say the words Star Wars, I'm talking about the movie that came out in 1977. So, you, so you think that's all we needed? 
no, no I'm not saying no that. I'm just saying when, when people ask about, you know, oh, is this really necessary? Do we need this thing? It's like, well, none of it's necessary. You know, they could have, like in some other universe, I'm sure they stopped. George Lucas was like, I don't want to make any more of these. And there's just Star Wars and there's nothing else, you know. Well, but, let me ask you, the second season of original Star Trek, was that necessary? Okay. I was just trying to make a point here is that if you're going to argue that do we need <laughs> no, only one no, Kenobi. I'm just trying to clarify. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I was trying to, to start us off on a, a you know. I didn't want to just say, I liked Obi-Wan Kenobi, and the reason I liked it was, I wanted to give us a little something to think about, but... Forgive me. Here we... What I'm saying is, you know, you could could easily ask, did we need it? We didn't need it, but did I like it? Overall, I I liked the show. Um, I think what I enjoyed about it was what it showed us about some you know, familiar characters in different places in their lives that we hadn't seen before. Um, you know, we saw Obi-Wan at the end of the the first trilogy, the prequels trilogy, you know, downtrodden, and, and we pick up with him in a place where he's, you know, completely lost all confidence and in a, in a really downtrodden state and then get to see him sort of recover himself. And, the biggest surprise for me out of this whole thing was seeing a young Princess Leia. And that was not something I had ever thought about. Mm. But the way they did it in this show, and, you know, I want to hear what you guys have to say, but they they did a great job casting the role. The little actress, Vivian Lyra Blair, was so perfect. I was totally convinced, yes, this is princess leia at 10 years old and it was just interesting to see her you know as that child and see the traits in her and things that we would recognize later on um even bringing in vader which i was a little skeptical about like oh what are they going to do with vader vader on tv and so forth but even bringing in vader and showing us a vader that was somewhat different than we had seen um in the original trilogy where he's and even in like other things like Clone Wars or Rebels, um, where he's still very much consumed with his hatred for for Obi-Wan, um, in some ways not as maybe confident as we would see him later on, like in Star Wars or Empire. Um, it was an interesting take on the character. So I thought that this show did some things that um, – showed characters in in places i hadn't seen before um also brought in some new characters i liked reva i think maybe they could have used her a little better um but i thought the character was interesting and um you know uh owen too i guess is a returning character but the way they presented him made him to me a more fully embodied character so there was stuff in there that you know, i know it's like yeah we know they're not going to die well we know they're not going to die but at least we can see um a little more to them so i liked that overall most of the story i enjoyed i thought some of it was very repetitive of things we'd seen before but uh there were some really good parts to it and 
yeah, I, you know, I uh, I enjoyed watching it. Now I'll shut up and let you guys talk about it. <laughs> well, show's over. Thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> what would you think, Bob? I know you're not um, too big on, you know, all the cartoons and. Well, I mean, that's the, I mean, yeah, and no, I'm pretty much a Star Wars movie guy. And then, you know, these Disney Plus series haven't really watched the cartoons or the you know, read the books or the comics or whatever. But um, overall, no, I thought it was a good segue between the original trilogy and the, well, the first trilogy and the original trilogy, I guess, if whatever you want to call them. <laughs> and, uh, it definitely, you know, I thought it was definitely cool that they brought Vader in because, I mean, hey, you know, he was created at the end of the first trilogy. So where did he go? What did he do? What's, you know, what's his background between then and when he shows up in Star Wars? Mm-hmm. And I think this was a pretty good uh, transition for him because he's, you know, all out to get revenge on Obi-Wan and then tw- and then at the end he's you know the emperor kind of f- refocuses him you know this is what you need to do you're not supposed to be running after Obi-Wan all the time um the character Reva you know was was added I thought she was good I didn't hate her as much as some online Star Wars fans oh, that like anytime you bring in a woman who's not like pure white, then everybody freaks and hates them and sends out death threats and whatever else they do. But uh, no, I thought you know, I thought she did a good job. I thought it was a cool twist. Spoiler alert! I thought it was a cool twist that uh, you know she was coming after Obi Wan and trying to get Obi Wan, and it turns out she was trying to get into Vader's good graces so she get get close enough to him to kill him, take her revenge on him. So. Uh, I thought that was good. At first, bringing in Leia as a kid almost felt like, are they doing this because of Mandalorian and Grogu were so big and popular that now they need some maybe Star Wars character to be in there and you know pull in fans. But she actually... She did well as a character, and it was definitely watching their uh, relationship between them throughout the six episodes. It explains better why she's calling him, and he's our only hope, and she's reaching out to him at the beginning of Star Wars. Yeah, because originally it's like, okay, he's he's a Jedi, and he you know fought for her father at one point. Great. But now we know, no, he, the two of them had a relationship. They had adventures. I mean, who knows if they're not going to have more adventures between now and, uh, and then, you know, if there's a season two or season three of, of uh, Obi-Wan, you know, is she going to be in it? Are they going to have more adventures together? So uh, I thought it was good. I thought the pacing was good. Um, only six episodes, so you didn't have a lot of filler in there. Because yeah. that's the big problem with a lot of these that go 10, 12, 13 episodes. It's like, well, that could have been told in half that and not had two or three episodes of, 
you know, useless off topic filler stuff. But, uh, but this, no, I think this was good. Good pacing. Good story. Uh, I know they originally wanted to make an Obi-Wan movie. And then I guess with the, uh, epic failure of solo, they said no more movies, no more solo movies or no more single character movies, I guess. So, uh, it took a while before they came back around to it and decided to make it a TV show or a series. But, uh, no, I, right. it was good. Uh, much better than, uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> a, a nice note to end on, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more jab at Boba Fett. Well, uh, again, you can't see my camera would for the podcasters, but I prominently have a Boba Fett uh, premium format figure uh, over there uh, on the back table. Anyway, uh, I was excited when they when they announced it. And it's funny, Karen and I, we, we were talking beforehand. Um, if, if I don't catch myself, I get caught in all these little criticisms that I, I find not not necessarily a fault in, but like when when he meets Leia, that I I had no idea Leia was going to be such a big part uh, of of the show, but in the uh, in the original Star Wars, she does that message via R two D two, and she says, you know, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. But she says, years ago, you served my father during the Clone Wars. She doesn't talk about the adventure. You know, years ago, you saved me from kidnappers. It, you know, and and when they do when they retcon stuff like this. You just you have to go with the flow, or otherwise you're gonna waste hours on Twitter complaining about you know <laughs> <laughs> issues with Leia and meeting Obi Wan. Um, with the trailer of the show, you know we all knew that that Hayden was coming back as Vader, and that was that was gonna be cool and interesting. Um, I thought it, it was gonna involve more of Luke, and um, yeah. Yeah, but but that's okay, and and maybe there will be a second season. Um, you know, do, do, do they need to have a second season? I mean, that, that's a good question, a fair question as well. I know Bob doesn't think there should be a second season of Boba Fett, and Karen would probably agree. But <laughs> I think they they subverted everybody's expectations when they brought in Leia, right? Because we were all expecting, oh, something's going to happen with Luke and he's going to have mm -hmm. to protect Luke. And, you know, we're right. all so focused on that, right? And when they brought in Leia, it was like, from left field, it was like, what? He's he's going to, Leia's going to be in this? So I it, thought it that was, was a so good charming, move. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, You know, and, and the dialogue that he had, and such a good actress, you know, uh, did, did you know my parents? Did you, you know, and, and it was like, well... No, and then at the end he, oh god, it is not a not a baby Yoda touching Mando's face moment for me, but it was a very poignant. And spoiler alert, you know, kids, we're going to be talking about the series in its entirety, and and he just describes who Anakin was to him, and then who Padme was to him, and it's moments like that that make the prequels a, a little more meaningful. I guess to us old farts who, you know, think Star Wars, Empire and Return of the Jedi are uh, are all we needed. Um, something that struck me, though, uh, with with the uh, young Leia <clears throat> and I posted this on 
Facebook is that the next time she'll see Ben is when Vader strikes him down. And that's that's going to be since they were born. That's going to be the only time Ben will see them together. Luke and Luke and Leia. So it's kind of like unless it happens in season two or three. But (laughs) well, now we don't. We'll never know. We'll always be wondering, right? We'll say, well, this is what happened. And it's like, but was it? Because in the next series. Yeah, I um, I like that they brought uh, brought in the Grand uh, Inquisitor. And um, I thought Third Sister, fantastic actress, great role. I hope we find her in Andor, uh, the series, or, or maybe she'll get her own series. Who knows? I know uh, you're right, Bob. Disney's shying away from the standalone um, films. There are going to be legacy movies for you know a young Yoda, a young Boba Fett. And, well, and I mean, whatever. it sounds like they're all going to be TV shows now. They're all yeah. going to be TV shows. Yeah. This series kind of reminded me of the Hawkeye series. It's it's an older, you know, um, less uh, vibrant version of Obi-Wan. And, uh, you know, I was talking with Jasmine and it's like, yeah, it's, it's 10 years, but it's 10 years on Tatooine because the next 10 years are going to age him like a mofo. Oh, <laughs> let, let me tell you, living in Phoenix... This heat, oh. this heat wears you down. I, I would be surprised if, you know, I don't wind up aging 20 years in the next 10 years because, yeah, it's heat will do that to you. So, yeah, when people tell say stuff like, well, how does he wind up looking like, you know, Alec Guinness? It's like, just spend some time out in the desert, man. He, right. You'll figure it out real quick. 10 years from now. Karen's going to be roaming around the desert with Jedi robes. and <laughs> <laughs> Who says I'm not doing it right now? Oh, it could be. <laughs> now, t- t- 10 years from now, she'll be on uh, the ice planet of Hoth, otherwise known as Colorado. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if I am fortunate enough to leave the, the Junlin wastes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, one thing that gets me about Star Wars as this concept of redemption. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in Return of the Jedi, um, Luke, you know, goes after his father and he feels like he's going to be able to turn him back to the light side. And and eventually through, you know, they, they fight and, and Luke, you know, turns away from the dark and he tells the Emperor, you know, I'll I'll never go to the dark side and blah, blah, blah. And then, the, you know, the emperor starts zapping him and that's enough for Vader to be overcome and decide, oh, I'm going to save my son. I'm going to destroy the emperor. And and so, you know, Vader's redeemed at the very end, right? It's sort of like, and I, I'm not Catholic, but sort of my understanding was like, even if you'd done horrible things, if you're on your deathbed and you suddenly accept Christ, it's like, oh, okay, good for you. You can go to heaven, you know? Yeah, and that's so, the whole key to Catholicism. I'm right. sorry. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you, okay, you killed a lot of people, but that's all right. Uh, so then we have like Reva, and she's done horrible things. Um and but then you know at, towards the the end of the show here she realizes oh I don't want to kill Luke I'm just I'm becoming like 
you know, Anakin and all this other stuff. And, and I, you know, the thing is, it's like in real life, well, I guess real life doesn't really apply here, but I mean, I guess there's a sense of redemption for her because, you know, she, at the last minute, she didn't kill the kid and she, she feels some sort of remorse and all this other stuff, but she did kill an awful lot of people and do bad stuff. Right. So it's sort of like, I guess if at any point you decide, I'm not going to do that stuff anymore, you can be redeemed. Now, on the other hand, it feels like, and my friend Doug pointed this out, um, they're Disney or whoever has decided, let's really make Vader a villain. And they're really making him a baddie. And I kind of like that. I like Vader as like a real bad guy. And it almost feels like he's irredeemable anymore. You know, he, especially the way he was at the end of... The, the sixth episode where he was just sort of like, you know, I killed Anakin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, t- if you take Return of the Jedi out of the picture, then, yeah, he's like one of the great screen villains right. of all time. Which is cool. Yeah. Darth you Vader, know? Ming the Merciless, you know, that type of thing. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. You, once he's like appearing near the campfire during the Nub Nub song or whatever, then, you know. <laughs> How can he suddenly be the greatest villain of all time? Yeah. So he's kind of redeeming himself as a villain in this series. Mm-hmm. So you think a villain needs to meet a fire end like uh, Hans in uh, in um, uh, Bruce Willis. Um, oh. Uh, Die Hard. Die Hard, yeah. Hans Gruber. Really? Yeah, Hans Gruber. Just to fall off the thing. And- <laughs> well, I mean, that's I all fine. Vader- but I mean, the thing with the thing with Anakin or Vader is, yeah, he 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 destroyed planets. I mean, he was like killing millions of people, and then he's staying there in the campfire with Obi Wan <laughs> and Yoda, and everything's great, well, look, and Luke's smiling, Luke and the Ewoks are nub nubbing, and yeah, it's like. But you know, Luke killed killed all those, I guess, bad guys on Death Star. But he was considered a hero because they were bad, so they needed to die. That's kind of my argument. Like at the end of of the Avengers, it's like, okay, Tony snaps his finger and Thanos and the, he did to them what they were trying to do to him. How do you define? I guess it's you know the hero. They deserved it. Intent. So I think a be- I think a better comparison would be Walking Dead like Rick's group versus Negan's group and you know how did how did that all start was Rick's group going in and killing a bunch of Negan's men while they slept there was a need yeah and so it's like okay who's the bad guy you know if you're looking at it from Negan's side they got attacked so what are you going to do you're going to fight back right that's a good point because I think what um before he became Vader, or maybe it was after he became Vader. Yeah, and, and Obi-Wan's like, you know, this is madness. You're the chosen one. You're supposed to bring balance to the forest. Not, and he's like, you know, the, the Jedi. And he's like, well, from my perspective, the Jedi are wrong. The Jedi are evil. And it's like, well, how, how do you, you know, come to that conclusion? Yeah, but the, but, the Jedi see? didn't go into the temple and kill a bunch of little kids. So, I mean, you know, you have to look at the actions right and even with the death star you know they had used the death star to wipe out alderan and 
killed, you know, millions or billions of people. And now they were going to use it to wipe out the rebel base and kill people. So, and, and then they would probably go on and, and kill out billions of more people. So Luke, yes, he did kill however many thousands or however many people were on the Death Star, but ultimately was he saving lives by doing that and then you know these are complex moral questions that we're oh, asking sure. in star wars well i think well, i think like villains in general all villains feel like what they're doing is right right you know they're they're the side you know it's like i know what i'm doing i'm doing the right thing you know unless you're like the joker maybe but well, you know, the Empire, Vader, those guys, they're imposing order, right? Like one of the best episodes of Mandalorian was when the Mandalorian and Bill Burr's character, I can't remember his name right now, they sneak into that base, right? That Imperial oh, yeah. base. And they wind up with that, you know, for whatever reason, Southern Imperial officer. And he's all like, you know, people don't want freedom. They want order. They want to be told what to do and then he starts talking about how well those yeah those soldiers died but you know their sacrifice was necessary and all this other stuff yeah there's two very different viewpoints and i'm sure he thought what he was doing was right you know well i mean that was loki's whole theory right in infinity war yeah that's what i was thinking bob yeah he's you all need to be subjugated you all need to be told what to do but I think I do think Vader is a great villain, so it's kind of cool to see him going back to being more villainous. It is, you know, because the Sith—they are—I mean, that is the evil side of the Force, right? There, there's good and bad. The dark I, I side, love yeah. the. Uh, I love the Emperor at the end. You know, <laughs> do you think it's a good idea? He's still manipulating. <laughs> oh, Anakin, you know, man. That's the thing that's a little disappointing about Vader when you start to realize that he's sort of just this lackey for the Emperor and that he's so easily – because he's so emotional. He's so easily yeah. manipulated, you know? It's just like Obi-Wan when at the end, like you were talking about when he told Leia, you know, you're wise and, and kind and you get that from your mother and you're passionate and fearless. You get that from your dad. But yeah, because Anakin was so passionate, he sometimes – you know, he was goaded into things, and he's still goaded you know, into things by the Emperor. What was cool is that, you know, <laughs> throughout the films, and even the animated series where they uh, had Vader, you'd see him always looking out the window. Not talking to anybody, just looking out the window. And I always wondered, what is he thinking? What is he, you know? And in this series, we see him remembering or going over a duel that he had with with Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan, you know, kind of served him, you know, his butt on a plate. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's it's interesting that Anakin's still making the same impulsive mistakes when he's fighting. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. He yep. is who he is. I am what I am, and that's all what I am. Toot, toot. I, and I wonder if there, and I don't know if the writers do anything like this but sometimes there are things he says or does and it feels like he has a measure of self-hatred too when he talks about you know i killed anakin and some of the other stuff he says i don't know if it's a subtle dig at you know him hating himself maybe for what happened to padme or 
what, but uh, you have to wonder. Of course, the dude is like basically just a torso anymore, a torso with a head. I mean, those shots where they're pulling him out of his his little tank and it's like, oh, I didn't realize like all his limbs were robotic now. And it's a pretty... Uh, yeah, I mean, they were all pretty much life. chopped off and dumped in the lava, so... It, it was um, it was cool to see that final battle. Well, not the final. Final for the first season. Both the actors says, "Yeah, we'll come back for a second season." So you know, right there, they're they're going to do a you know season two of this thing. I just if they have um, too many meetings between Vader and Obi Wan before, you know, the the meeting in the Death Star, it's it's just going to be like. What did they meet like? You know, every year they were they were <laughs> meeting yeah. before they showed up on the Death Star. That's that's it's going to be too. Well, season much. two may not be Vader though. Maybe Vader well, it, was the big season one villain, and season two will be someone else. Yeah, but I mean, like Larry referenced because um, I think Hayden Christensen has expressed, but yeah, probably because he's not. I don't know what else he's doing. Sure, he wants to come back and play Vader. Because what else is he up to? Um, But, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see um, if they did a second season. Maybe they bring in, like, the bounty hunters or something instead of Vader, you know? Kenobi's got to throw them off his trail. Season two could be, you know, season one was Leia. Maybe season two is Luke. Potentially. Um, it was pretty clear, though, the Emperor said, you know, let it go. Now, you know, Vader could always, you know, go out and do whatever on his own. And, you know, Palpatine might not know. One of the other things I was kind of like dealing with was how surprised Obi-Wan was when he first saw Vader walking, you know, and breaking people's necks and stuff. And I was like, you know, how could he not know? It was almost like he didn't realize that Anakin not only survived, but he became like Darth Vader, right? Because Yoda referred to Anakin as Darth Vader, you know, who killed the younglings. You know, Anakin's dead. It's, you know, Darth Vader. The Did he refer to him as Darth Vader? I, I haven't gone back and watched. I wanted to go back and watch Revenge of the Sith, but I, I didn't. Yoda did. I, I, yeah, when, when he, re, you know, I, who, who would do this? All the younglings are like, Darth Vader did this. And it's like, hmm. well, how did Yoda know it was Darth Vader at that point? But maybe it's a Force thing. I'm not a Jedi, so I don't know. Or it could have been lazy writing. But yeah, Yoda does refer to Anakin as Darth Vader. So, okay. so Obi-Wan, you would assume now, maybe, you know, Tatooine is in the Outer Rim. And even when the Inquisitors landed there, and there was that older woman who says, this is Tatooine. The Empire has no, mm-hmm. you know, power here. And Reva just chops off her hand <laughs> to say, you know, yes, we do. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if how could he not know that Vader was out there because he's in hiding, hiding? Well, maybe the Emperor was going to try and hunt down uh, the Jedi. I don't know. So, little fuzzy moment, but I, I still love that Obi Wan was like a broken man, a shell of himself, and he just fell into this like routine of 
you know, this mundane life. And even when a Jedi came, oh, Obi-Wan, Master Kenobi, and if I were you, I'd take that lightsaber and bury it in the desert. And then the guy ends up getting, you know, hung, killed. And But this is also where he kind of accepts his identity as Ben. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of Obi-Wan. Because a couple people call him Obi-Wan. I said, oh, my, my name's Ben. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it did tie up feel- a few things and kind of explain some stuff that probably, you know, maybe didn't need explaining, but... You got to tie it all together somehow. Yeah, it's true. Uh, How do you guys feel about uh, his relationship with uh, Owen or lack thereof? Well, I mean, in Star Wars, what Owen refers to him as some crazy old man out in the dunes, right? I mean, crazy old wizard. Yeah. So uh, obviously they didn't have the great. I mean, they obviously didn't see eye to eye. I mean, you know, Obi-Wan wants to train him as a Jedi and, you know, Owen wants him to just stay home, work on the farm, be a regular kid, which is more fully explained during this series. Mm-hmm. I just think they've, they kind of come to an understanding that, okay, he can grow up as a kid until he decides to do something or he, you know, he grows into his role and then the crazy old guy in the dunes will come get him. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it explained more deeply why that, why that is. I, I had wondered, you know, if he was, if his plan was to train Luke and he removed himself from the force. And that was a great episode when he was like trying to move that object and, you know, trying to get his force mojo back. But if he cut himself off from the Force, like Luke did in, in the later trilogies, you know, he, he removed himself from the Force. How how would he train Luke when Luke hit that age to become a Jedi if if it seemed like Obi-Wan had given up? To yeah, me. I think he did. Um, yeah. So how was he going to tra- – because he tells Owen, well, I have to train the boy when he, you know, grows up. Um Part of the journey in this series was Obi-Wan accepting, you know, he, I am a Jedi, you know, we, we lost the fight, but I'm still a Jedi. And I was reading some, you know, chit chat online and they're like, well, you know, he had to remove himself from the force so that other force sensitive, you know, people like the Inquisitors wouldn't find him. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the growth of the Obi-Wan Kenobi character up to and including him finally figuring out how to talk with Master Qui-Gon. You know, you knew they were going to do that at some point, but I felt it was sort of tacked on at the end. Like, really? Yeah, well, Qui-Gon's appearance didn't... um, contribute anything i mean it didn't matter like he didn't appear at any crucial moment or anything it was just sort of like okay it's the last minute of the the show here <laughs> let's oh we got to put qui-gon in okay here let's he put is. him in for season two so yeah it was yeah just, well, that was a know. tease but I, I mean really you know he at the beginning you know you find out he he hasn't been, been able to communicate with qui-gon 
And then he goes through this whole quest and he gets his mojo back and he embraces his role as a Jedi, has his, you know, hello there, conversation with Luke. (laughs) And then, you know, he goes back to live in the dunes. And yeah, his reward for doing all that was Qui-Gon appearing, you know, okay, now you're worthy. uh, Here I am, you know. Let's go hang out. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed a little anticlimactic. Well, now that you say it, Karen, I, as I think, you know, the the five seconds of Emperor Palpatine did more, I think, for the story than the, you know, five or ten seconds of, of Qui-Gon uh, appearing to Obi-Wan. I it, think, was, it was still nice to see Qui-Gon, though. I yeah, I, I mean... Nice to see him, but I think, yeah, the Emperor's appearance was more impactful just in what it told you about Vader, mm-hmm. you know, whereas Qui-Gon appearing was just sort of kind of like what Bob was saying. It was like, oh, here's a reward for all this stuff. <laughs> Here you go. You guys wanted to see Qui-Gon. Here here's he your piece of butterscotch candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, let me ask you guys this now. Let's. Uh, not necessarily in a season two, but uh, where do you think Reva's journey goes now? What's her next um, move, I guess, going? Does does she continue to go after Vader and or the Empire? Does she um, help the, you know, resistance or the, are they rebels yet or resistance? I'm trying to think. Um, They're rebels aren't they they're, they're the rebels rebel at alliance. this point right yeah. yeah so so where do you think they would take her uh, well, probably, think, probably um, to her own spin-off series somewhere <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if, if the crazy toxic portion of the star wars fandom doesn't lose their minds over it I, I'm getting so fed up with these people who just – and I don't think it's a majority of the Star Wars fans, but like No, it's Bob a very said, small vocal group. Right. It's a small nut job group of fans who like if it's not – you know, like you're saying, like if it, like they lost their minds when like Ray was announced for the, the new tr- trilogy too or Finn. It's just like – I don't know where these racist knuckleheads like are coming from, but it's like they need to just get the hell out of Star Wars and Star Trek and all the other stuff we like because it's just infuriating. But she was a good actress. I thought she did a really good job, you know, and in some ways it was almost unfair because you bring in a villain like Vader. Nobody can compete with Vader. So she's sort of always going to be like in this secondary position of villainy you can never be as like bad as Darth Vader but yeah Larry now she's got to like make amends for everything so I don't know would the Rebel Alliance accept her after everything that she's done or is she going to be off on her own like a lone wolf trying to bring down the Empire it's a great question you know real quickly getting back to the um, racial issues it was the Last Jedi, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, she oh, yeah. played uh, Rose, and they were vicious. 
and she closed all her social media accounts and it was this close not doing any of the red carpet you know interviews and stuff it's it's so toxic and it's an unfortunate you know reality that kind of enters into our fantasy world yeah um well, you know it and, also and, uh diminished her role in rise of skywalker right because mm-hmm. she was yeah, barely and, in and that. i love the uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate Reva and her character, the actor. Why can't there be more people of color? Why is there only ever one character of color that enters into, I mean, other than The Last Jedi where you had, you know, Finn, John Boyega. And, it, you know, it's only ever a handful. Look, when I go to work, when I live in the real world, it's a rainbow out there. Well, where I live, I, I understand You're on there the West Coast, parts yeah. of the world, parts of the United States, right? Where it's, I don't know. I it it it, it bothers me. Even you know, you think back uh, with a uh, Star Trek, Plato's uh, was it Plato's children or Plato's stepchildren? Stepchildren. First biracial kiss between Uhura and. Uh, and Kirk, and they banned it in, in some of the southern states. They wouldn't air the episode. And here we are decades later, still, it, it's just, it's an ugly existence. And, and like I, I said, I, it, it shouldn't enter into our, our fantasy world. But back to Reva. Um, I would, you know, if, if they gave her a series, have her take down the uh, the Inquisitors or, or, you know, help the help the Jedi find... You know, that group of people, the Rebel Alliance or, you know, something like that. She's such a strong actress. Um, yeah, I, I would hope I would hope they use her uh, in future endeavors. Um, well, I think I think, you know, Lucasfilm, Disney, the, all them, they realize that the critics of her or her role are not the majority of Star Wars fans. Oh yeah. So you know, they'll. I think they realize that you know that she's okay, and they'll put her in something else. Don't yeah. know what. I think but. it was great. Ewan McGregor came out like right away oh, with yeah. the video. Like, you know, he's driving in a car or something, or sitting in a car, and he's just saying, "Yeah, these are not. Don't don't consider yourself a Star Wars fan." Anson Mount put on a tweet. He's you know mm-hmm. Pike over on. Strange New Worlds, the same thing. I mean, they're all just like, you know, enough. Um, so it's, um, you know, at, at least we have, uh, you know, she has our support, other actor support moving forward. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, what was I going to say? You know what oh. we... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Karen, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, one thing we haven't said anything about, which I think is important, is what a good job Ewan McGregor does as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's just so good. I mean, I was not a huge prequels fan. Um, I had my issues with it. And although I tend to look at it a little more favorably now over the years, but he was always good in the prequels. He's such Mm -hmm. a good actor. He always did such a good job as, as Obi-Wan and you know here he is stepping back 
into this role all these years later and, you know, playing, as as we've talked about, a, a really downtrodden version of this guy who, you know, was this Jedi Knight. I mean, the elite of the elite, you know, and uh, he's had to learn some very hard lessons and he just does that so well. His interactions with um, Leia are so good and so like pitch perfect and his interactions with Darth Vader. I mean, he's just like every emotion just felt all the feels, right. All yeah. The feels. It was such just, a good uh, job. Well, plus he, he's got the voice and the inflections down without doing an out and out imitation of Sir Alec Guinness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does the little beard thing where he, he <laughs> pulls mm-hmm. on the side of his beard, just like Alec Guinness did. And he's got that sort of, you know, he's got an, an elegance or a um, sort of ref, refined sort of nature to him. Um, but especially once he starts, you know, getting back his, his mojo, as you guys said, mm-hmm. um, you can see him, you know, starting to transform. And, and the way he uh, cares for the people, you know, when they're uh, taking off in the ships and all those people are there that, you know, um, uh, Ice Cube's son, O'Shea Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Ice Cube's son is in Star Wars now. But, you know, when he's working with him and he's, you know, trying to make sure that everybody's safe and, you know, well, I'm going to offer myself up and do all this other stuff. Yeah, he just, he just like was perfect through this whole thing. I mean, that's the one thing I would have zero complaints about is his performance. He was just absolutely perfect through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. What a joy to watch. Um, like you said, Walker, after all these years, just coming back in and like I said, bringing all the feels. I mean, man, I, it, it was just a great, great experience. And, you know, I asked myself, would I, this gets back to what you said, actually, Walker, do, do we need a season two? Do I want a season two? Do I need a season two? This was such a good series. You know, uh, who was it? Damon Lindelof. They did the um, thing for HBO Max. It was, um, oh, God bless it. Watchmen? The Watchmen series. Yeah. And, and they, that is a, if you guys haven't seen it, binge on that. Ended so well and told such a complete story that they were like, maybe he learned from Lost. We're, we're not going to mess with this. We're just going to close it out. Um, I, I could see them doing that with with Obi-Wan. You know, they, they had a beginning, middle, and an end to this story, and and I'd be okay with it. Now, if they gave, me, they gave us a season two, I'd watch it. I'd, I'd try not to have high expectations. Let me ask you guys this. If they do have a season two... Of Obi Wan, who would you have in there? They're not going to use Vader because you know, yeah, they already did that. Doesn't have to be a villain. Could you know? Could be Yoda. Maybe you want to bring Yoda in and meet meet Ben. I don't know. Who would you? Maybe not have an integral part of the story. Maybe it's just a Qui Gon walk on <laughs> five second thing. What legacy character would you? Maybe bring in for a a little soiree with Obi Wan. 
it's tough because you got all these rules and canon and stuff that you can't, you know, violate. I, but I, I do like the idea of the the um, bounty hunters coming after him. But I wouldn't want to bring in like, um, what's his name, Boba Fett, because it's like, oh, we already know there's things going right. on with him. Maybe like Bosk. You know? There were some uh, uh, Bosk creatures in Motto. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, Boba Fett, yeah. So maybe Zuckus and Bosk, or so you know, some of those other guys we we saw in Empire, and they'd have to you'd have to figure it out. So like, if everybody starts figuring out that Obi Wan's on Tatooine, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he'd have to leave Tatooine to go right. help someone or or do something. You know, based on the Clone Wars animated series, he had a relationship with Mandalore. Right. And the Mandalorian culture. I mean, you could, you know, move some somewhat in that direction. Personally, because I don't think he's dead. I think Mace Windu survived that encounter with Emperor Palpatine. I mean, anything with Samuel Jackson, I'll watch. But you bring him in and just, oh, we want, you know, oh, we need your help. You got to, it's like, Master Windu? What the hell? (laughs) You know, and... Mayhem ensues. That would be my pick. Well, I had seen online that the original idea for the movie was basically Luke got caught in between. It was almost like a, maybe not a war, but a disagreement between the farmers and the sand people. Hmm. And that was like the basis of the movie. So, you know, it might be something as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's got to go in and get him out of there. Get him out of them, them Tuscan Raiders. Another thing I appreciate, anytime I can see a Jawa on screen, Ooh, I'm all good. <laughs> yeah, they had a few. They had a few. I liked his uh, little Jawa friend. I think it was the first episode, right? Comes into his yeah. cave and is trying to say, if you're going to sell me things you've stolen from me, then the least you can do is clean them. <laughs> and he got that little model ship for Luke. I mean, that was so cool. You know, little little nods like that I like. Yeah. All in all, I you know, I really enjoyed it. And it was one of those series where I was going into it a little bit skeptically, but... Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, thought it was very entertaining, and and just the stuff with uh, Vader and and Obi Wan surprisingly because I kind of felt like haven't we done this before with Ahsoka and Vader and they had their duel and that and was I do awesome. yeah it was and I do think it the final duel in Episode Six of this show had some similarities to Ahsoka's fight with Vader but you know what eh, I'm okay with it. Me too. So, we'll do another podcast when they uh, do season two then. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's rather predictable, but yes. Well, my friends, that brings us to uh, that part of the program where we talk about our sensor sweep. Now, we're also going to be talking uh, about Creatures Con, um, but I think Creatures maybe Con. we'll do our sensor sweep first. So, Karen, 
if you will. Take it away. Okay. Well, to go along with our topic today, I'm going to plug a book that I read a while ago, but it's still relatively new called Secrets of the Force. You know, and I have this deja vu, like, did I already talk about this book? And I might have, but that's okay. Um, I, I'm at that age. I never can remember it. I already talk about this. So Secrets of the Force is the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of Star Wars by Edward Gross and Mark A. Altman. And this is a really fun book because the uh, authors go in and they have interviews with all these different folks who worked or were associated with Star Wars in some way. So there's quotations from George Lucas and Mark Hamill, Ralph McQuarrie, Richard Edlund, Dennis Murin, all these folks who worked on it. And they go wow. chronologically. Yeah, they start with the original trilogy and work through the prequels and the, the uh, new trilogy and then all the way to the first TV show through to Mandalorian. Oh, and I think they do some of the animated stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Well, yeah, actually they do now that I'm looking at it. So this big honking book can be found, I'm sure, with fine booksellers everywhere or, of course, um, that vast monopoly known as Amazon. Um, it but is it's, less it's than a, four figures, though. It's <laughs> it's a fun read, and uh, I highly recommend it. And and what's the name of that book again, Walker? Secrets of the Force. Well, I'm sure it was found in some Jedi temple, and uh, I I ran in and saved it before Luke set everything on uh, fire. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Now, our friends uh, are going to be over at Creatures Con. Lord Blood Raw and Tom Worsh going to have their show coming up in August. And who has August. details on that? Is it Bob or Karen? It's August 7th is Creatures Con, and that's at the Concord Plaza in Concord, California. Woohoo! And we're going to be there. Woohoo! Yeah. All, th- all three of us. All three of us finally. Bringing Karen down from the satellite. <laughs> I'm That's right. For a personal appearance. Beaming down. No interocitor this year. No interocitor this year. In the flesh. So, yes, Creatures Con is going to be very exciting. I, uh, I know we're all excited because uh, David J. Skull who, uh, oh my gosh, he's written so many great books. My favorite by him is called The Monster Show, which is a a history of monster films and looking at sort of the cultural uh, connections behind monster movies. Uh, He's also done a lot of um, commentary on films and a lot of, uh, he's got a book out recently on Dracula and just, oh man, he's done a lot of cool stuff. So he's going to be there, kids. Nice. And we're going to try to get him on the show. Yeah, we're going to do what we can. Um, they're also going to, our, our friends, Lord Blood Raw and um, Tom Worsh, are going to do, Creature Cons is going to host a 90th anniversary of The Mummy the day before August 6th at the Orinda Theater. And they're going to show The, the Mummy, the 30, 1932 uh, and David J. Skull is going to be there along with Sarah Karloff. 
the daughter wow. of Boris Karloff. So yeah, Sarah will be at Creatures Con as well. Yes. So lots of stuff going on, and as well as recent Rondo Monster Kid Hall of Fame inductee Mr. Lobo will be there as well. Oh, he is. I had not heard that. Okay, well, that's cool. I'm pretty sure he is. If he's not, I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm going to call him up and make sure he's there. (laughs) Hey, our friend and yours, John Stanley, will be there. Ah, yes. So we'll try try to get, like, some interviews with other guests. We'll try to, to, we're going to try to do an episode with David J. Skull, but we'll get another episode going with a bunch of interviews with other guests and creative people and hosts and whoever else is there. We'll see who we can scare up. We'll have a little Worst table. case scenario. That's right. We'll have a table as well. Worst case scenario, get these three knuckleheads. I mean, your intrepid Planet 8 crew uh, <laughs> with an episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll have our table set up. We'll have fun and surprises planned. What else do we Sunday. have to do but just sit and yak, right? Yak away. <laughs> we'll we'll be, still be talking about Obi-Wan. No. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move on to something else by then. No, we'll try we'll try show. and make a pretty cool booth there. We'll bring some prop stuff and planet right. stuff and whatever. We'll... Some little giveaways. Yeah. You guys or if you're at the show, stop by and say hi and, and check us out and take some pictures with us and say hello. Well, my friends, another episode. Done. Everyone out there listening. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you at Creatures Con. Until then, peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet 8 Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. must leave.